Hello and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church in Crozet, Virginia. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 9.30 a.m. or for a more traditional service at 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. lectionary psalm for the day goes along intriguingly until it gets to a part that sounds absolutely devastating. Happy shall they be who take your little ones and dash them against the rock. It's a horrible mental image. It's a a terrible thing to think that someone would find joy in causing physical harm, if not death, to children. That's absolutely egregious. So why is it in our Bible? Why is it there? Well, you are also seeing how humankind feels about vengeance. And yet, God says, vengeance is mine. You shall not take vengeance. And as we are in the midst of this series about a Christian response, today we're going to talk about something that always makes us yearn for vengeance. Anger and hatred. And unfortunately, they're very prevalent in human society probably have been for quite a while. Even the Bible records that in the very beginning, Cain became very angry with his sibling Abel. So angry that he started to hate him. Hate him how much that he would murder his own sibling. And so we know that it is one of those constant calls to sin. Anger leading into hatred. Now, as a wise sage named Yoda once said, Fear leads to anger, anger leads to hatred, and hatred leads to suffering. This is the path to the dark side. And that's true, that unchecked negative emotions will actually multiply. They will fester, they will breed, they become like a spiritual cancer and will eat us alive. Now, feeling anger is normal. People often feel anger. But what are you going to do with that anger? Are you just going to take it as your new identity? Or are you going to try to work through it? Or maybe even allow it to dissipate? Because things are going to happen in our lives, no matter how old we are or how long we live, that are going to cause us to be angry. There are people in our lives that are going to cause us to be angry. And we have to figure out how to respond to that. How do we respond to anger? Because if you sit around with anger long enough, just as Yoda said, and just as the Apostle Paul will reiterate, that will turn into something very dark and ugly and devastating. That's when hatred becomes an identity. But we're not called to be a people of hatred. Jesus said, you shall love God and love others. These are the two things upon which all the commandments rest. All 613 can be boiled down to that. So love and not hate is what we are called to do. And hate comes very naturally. I mean, it's, it doesn't take long to see that when the world has contributed to the suffering of a people or individuals, that you yearn to have justice. Or maybe a better way to put it is you yearn to have vengeance, right? It's not enough that people should realize that you were wronged. A lot of times we want to make sure that the other person who wronged us suffers. And Paul knows this very well. 
The letter to the Romans was written as Paul's final letter. Now it appears first in our canon because before they were able to date the epistles, they came up with a little idea of we'll just put them in order from longest to shortest. Not building up, just come right out with the longest letter. And Romans is the longest letter because Paul knows that it is his last. He knows that he will not leave Rome, he will die there. He will die for being an apostle of Jesus Christ, for preaching and teaching faith and salvation by Christ. And he knows that this is it. So anything that he has left to say, he needs to say now. And so this letter that is put first in our canon is actually his last. And in it, he says some of his most profound and incredible things. In it, he will encourage them not to do as he had previously done. Before he became the Apostle Paul, he was a man named Saul, and he certainly was involved in persecuting. He persecuted Christians, those who would dare to take the name of Christ. He did not bless them, but he cursed them. And here he is saying, don't do as I have done. Instead, do what Christ calls. Bless those who persecute you. Now, if this were written in the Old Testament, I would tell you that there was a habit in the Old Testament of making sure that you didn't say something that was incorrect because they'd read scripture aloud. And so one of the things they would say is, they would say bless when they mean curse. Sounds a little confusing. So let me give you an example of a modern day version of this. We have continued this practice in the South. Anytime you've ever heard anyone say, bless your heart. They don't really mean bless your heart. I mean, they mean something your heart, but not bless. But we're not called to that. We're called to be a people who actually bless even when we are hurt, even when we are angry, even when we feel anger and hatred coming at us, we are called to be a people of blessing. We don't get to say, you know what, God, it's been a really bad day and I should just get a pass on my raft today. God says, no, that's not how that works. Now, this past week in chapel for our preschool, I started one of our classic lessons. I do it at the beginning of every school year. I have a giant sheep and a giant goat that I bring out as the kids are all sitting up here. And I tell them the parable that Jesus told us about good sheep and feisty goats. And I'll ask them, do you know what feisty means? And generally they go, no. And I'm like, great, let me tell you what feisty means. Have you ever had a day where even when you woke up, nothing was right. Your parents couldn't make you the right breakfast. You didn't want to eat what they gave you. You didn't want to wear what they told you to wear. You didn't want to go to school. You didn't want to get in that car seat. You didn't want to hear that music. You didn't want to have to do anything that anybody told you. Nobody can make you happy. Nothing is right, and everybody is wrong. And one of the kids said, I'm having that day. You make eye contact with the teachers, and they're like, perfect. You're having a feisty goat day. And that happens. Everybody has a feisty goat day. All of us will have feisty goat moments. But God doesn't want us to exist as feisty goats. Goats are interesting. I mean, I have a real passion for goats. You never go to a petting zoo that has goats and go, well, that was really boring. Never. They're very exciting. They do all kinds of things. They're very mischievous and ill-behaved. And that's fun, as long as they're eating my sister's clothing and not mine. And so what we realize is that even though there is something thrilling about being mischievous, we're not called to be that. We're called to be the good sheep, 
Sheep are incredible. That's why Jesus uses them as a metaphor. Sheep want to be good. They want to live in community. They, they yearn to be with the other sheep. They want to listen to their shepherd. They want to be able to bless. They are willing to grow their wool and then allow human beings to shear them and take that wool and bless others. Clothing, blankets, you name it. They are willing to bless others continually because they'll just keep growing that wool and letting their shepherd shear them. That's what we're called to be. And at any moment, as I told the preschoolers, you can find yourself drifting into feisty goat territory. But your job, once you discover that, or once your teachers and your pastor and your parents alert you to this state, you go, you know what? I don't have to be a feisty goat. I can stop being a feisty goat. I am able to choose to be a good sheep. I can choose that. Now, as we get older, we realize that some people are living in feisty goatdom. They are just dwelling in that. And you want to try to help them come over, right? Because that's blessing. We want to be like, okay, come over here. Come away from the tin cans that you want to eat. Come away from, you know, fleeing the shepherd. Come away from butting each other against the head with your horns. Instead, come over here and discover what the beauty of harmony and peace and love are. Come discover this gift. And some of them will go, no, really, no, I'm good, no. That seems boring over there. The older I get, the more peace and harmony are not boring. They are beautiful. Beautiful things. Absolutely. And it's one of those things that we discover as we get more spiritually mature that we have to work for. It doesn't just happen. And Paul knows this. That's why Paul will say in the scriptures that as far as it is possible and depends on you, live peaceably with all. You have to try. You have to work. You have to articulate it. You have to struggle for peace. It doesn't just happen. In fact, if anything, conflict will arise quickly. And sometimes people are going to do things that make us angry. Sometimes we are going to do things that make other people angry. And when that anger starts coming at you, you have to know what your response is going to be beforehand. Or you will do what the psalmist says and just react with anger. How dare you tell us to sing the songs of Jerusalem? How dare you ask us to entertain you and to be joyful for your benefit? You can already hear the anger arising in the psalmist. You can hear a whole people being like, this is absolutely horrific. And we hate the people that made us feel this way. But that was before the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ. And Jesus didn't respond that way. Now, Jesus got angry, but Jesus would work through it very quickly. Or it wouldn't have taken three years to get to the end of his earthly ministry, for he would have smote all 12 apostles long before we got there. Instead, he is constantly trying to redirect them, trying to get them to focus on what is important. He gets frustrated? Yes. Does he destroy them? No. He doesn't even destroy people when he is nailed to the cross and looking out at some of the very same people who conspired to put him up there. That's one of those moments where if this was a Hollywood movie, Jesus would utter a few words and the skies would rend open and hellfire and brimstone would rain down and a whole army of angels would come and lay waste to anyone who ever heard our Lord. That's the way we would write it, right? But instead, Jesus looks down on them 
from the height and the pain of the cross. And instead of calling down suffering and vengeance, he lifts up a prayer for forgiveness. That is who we're called to be. In a world that wants vengeance because it is thriving on anger and hatred, we cannot continue that cycle. It will never bring anything good. I don't know anybody that was like, I'm better today because I was hated as a child. I'm better today because my whole life people have been angry at me. I haven't met that person. I have met people who have said, my life is better because when I was a child, people loved me. They showed me what love looked like. I have met people who have said, my life is better because I have seen that there are authentic communities where peace and harmony are a priority. I've seen that. But we are not a people who can simply default and anger comes quick. Anger comes really quickly. And you can be angry because somebody's being angry at you. But it's taken me a lot of therapy to realize that sometimes the anger coming at you is not even about you. It's not even about you. It's just being directed that way. Sometimes it's something that's going on within them. And how do you know the difference? Somebody has to be willing to go, whoa, pause, stop. What is happening here? Have I hurt you? What have I done to you? So that we can work through this. Somebody has to be willing to say, you know what? It's not going to be any better if I get angry at you, so I'm just going to stop. I'm going to stop. And I hope that you will lower that anger a little bit, and let's see if we can work through this. And unfortunately, in this world, you're going to encounter people that don't want to work through it. You're going to encounter people that want to double down on the anger and the hate. They're going to get to the point where they think that the only option is to destroy you is to cause untenable suffering. And that is absolutely, unequivocally a sin. We can't do that. We can't do that to one another. We are a people who are embodied in forgiveness. And forgiveness does not seek vengeance. And instead, God is saying, why don't you take all of that anger and all of that hatred that could be, and why don't you turn it over to me? I will handle it. I'm better at taking care of that anyway. Give it to me, and I will bear the burden of meeting out justice. Give me that. Don't visit it on each other. Because it will never stop. It will just be this downward spiral of pain and suffering. It will never end. But if we choose to stop that cycle, we can at least pause, if not reverse it. And sometimes that's what it takes in this world, is just saying, I'm not going to go with the ways of the world. I'm not going to continue this. And you have to be empowered to do that. That's why I tell our preschoolers from the age of two and a half all the way up to five that every day is a choice. Every single day is a choice for them. Are you going to live your life today as a feisty goat or are you going to choose to be a good sheep? And now they know what Jesus expects from them. But it's hard when you go through your day and you're feeling that inclination to feisty goatdom 
And then you encounter other people who are like, yeah, feisty goat all day, every day. It's really hard. That's why it becomes even more important for those of us who know Jesus Christ, who understand salvation and forgiveness and grace, and who have encountered that profound divine love to be committed to being good sheep. Because we are outnumbered by the goats in the world. We are drastically outnumbered. And again, to look at it, being a feisty goat looks fun. They're climbing up on top of things. They're eating whatever they want to eat. They're going wherever they want to go. They're fighting with each other. Looks fun. It looks fun for now. Until somebody gets too rambunctious and they hurt each other. Until somebody eats something that they never should eat. Goats in tin cans should not happen. Until they wander off so far that they can't come home or they become the victims of a predator. It looks fun until it's not. And the world looks at Christianity and goes, what is with this sheep metaphor? This is ridiculous. Nobody wants to be a sheep. But the sheep have something that the goats don't have. They have a relationship of trust and adoration with their shepherd. They know that the shepherd will keep them safe. They know that the shepherd will always lead them to the safe pasture and the place where they can eat and find water. They know that the shepherd will care for them when they are injured, when they are sick. And if, God forbid, a sheep should wander or get lost, they know that the shepherd will come after them. And that is what we need to remember the next time we see anger and hatred coming at us. And Paul says, you have to lay it aside. Because if you do what Jesus told you to do, when Jesus told that metaphor of the good sheep and the feisty goats, when Jesus told the metaphor, Jesus talked about dividing people on the day of resurrection, the day of judgment, into two categories. And neither of those categories are about orthodoxy, correct thought and knowledge. They are about orthopraxy, correct practice. Did you do the things that I command you to do because you know the right things? And Jesus tells us exactly what they are. Feed the hungry. Give the thirsty something to drink. Welcome the stranger. Clothe the naked. Visit the sick and the imprisoned. Care for them. Notice there's no asterisk or caveat. The ones that you like. The ones that are already members of your church. The ones that haven't really ticked you off lately. If they are hungry whether they consider themselves friend or foe. They are to be fed. And if we do this, the Apostle Paul says that you will heap burning coals on their head. It's not a way of retribution. It's about humility. The burning coals is a symbol for the humbleness that comes from serving. And the text says, associate with the lowly. But really, the lowly were those of humble means. Humility is the way of Christianity. That's why we are called to servant leadership in the church. We are not called to be served as leaders. We are called to servant leadership. We are called to model those things. And you can tell the people that understand that 
they will get down on their knees and tie the shoes of others. They will take the time to hold the door, to guide the lost, to help them find the bathroom or any other place they need to go. Those are the sheep that are committed to helping other people come to the flock and stay in the flock and find their place. They will serve, knowing that ultimately all leadership and all service in the name of Jesus Christ is to help people experience the goodness of our shepherd. And anger and hatred will destroy that every time. There's a lot in the world to be upset about. I had a colleague post yesterday, I'm tired of all of the anger and the hatred and the nastiness online. They posted this on their Facebook page. And they said, let's try something else. Let's, let's post pictures of puppies. It's not biblical, but I get where they're going. And you think about that, and you're like, how ridiculous is this? How is this going to fix anything? Right? Until I started watching people post pictures of puppies. And I don't think every puppy's cute. But what I noticed was they stopped just posting generic pictures of puppies, and they started posting pictures of their puppies. They got vulnerable. Here's my puppy. You may not think he's cute, but I think he's adorable. And all of a sudden, you start to realize that it's changing how they're feeling, right? Oh my gosh, that puppy reminds me of a dog that I used to have. Now, if you're a cat person, this is totally lost on you, and I apologize. But if you're a dog person, you know that you think your dog should win Westminster every year, that every dog should be lucky enough to share genetic components with your dog, and you love that dog infinitely. And the response that the dog has to that love is love back. You don't love a dog and the dog hates you. You don't love a dog and it makes them angry. You love and you get love back. Now, human beings are an especially problematic group because human beings, you can give love and get anger back. You can give love and get hatred back. But at the end of the day, when Jesus comes again in glory on the throne and looks at you, Jesus will say, did you love? Or did you curse? Did you bless? Or did you burden? Which is it? Because really there's only one choice. It is to love and to bless, not to be angry and hateful. And it will be a struggle because there will be people that you are convinced that you could convince God should be hated. You'll have that. It'll happen. But instead, you have to remember those words. Not just the words of Jesus Christ, but the words of the Apostle Paul. Someone whose entire existence in the Bible was first around his hatred for Christians. His anger at Jews who were forsaking the Mosaic Covenant and embracing the way of this sham of a Messiah. He hated them so much he was having them stoned to death. 
And then he met their shepherd. On the road, he encountered their living, breathing, resurrected shepherd. And he would never be the same. But Jesus loved and forgave Paul into being the apostle that he was. It was not hatred that brought Paul to the flock. It was love from the one person in all of existence who would have been justified in destroying him. Instead, Jesus welcomed him to his table. Jesus welcomed him into the church, into the body of Christ. Jesus welcomed him into ministry. Take your gifts and use them for good. Stop being a feisty goat, Saul, and become Paul, one of my good sheep. And because of you, others will know. You might not consider yourself on par with the Apostle Paul. Very few people probably feel comfortable taking on that mantle. But I will promise you this, that if you choose every day to strive to fulfill what it is to be a good sheep, if you do, you will change others. Now, if you spend every day reveling in being a feisty goat, You'll change others too. But it's not changing them for the better. It's not helping them be their best. The world wants to encourage us. More power, more privilege, more things. Do what you want. Look out for yourself. Forget other people. Beat them down if you must so that you may rise up. But Christ overturned all of that with forgiveness and love. And that is who we're called to be. So the next time you feel that burning coming at you, the anger, the hatred, know that your shield is Christ Almighty. And with Christ, you can withstand all things. And it just might be that by taking your stance against the anger and the hatred, that your shield will become the shield of others. And you might save them from the suffering that comes with anger and hatred. May it be so. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you found the message meaningful, and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org to learn about ways you can connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week.